Good morning, everybody. It is Marsh and Mello, TSN 1150 in Hamilton. Thank you for being here with us. Or if the technical difficulties off the top as we get you set for a six-hour day here on the station as it will be a, uh, a long one but a fun one. We come in this morning. We talk about all sorts of stuff, as always, Leafs and Raps and updating the stories of sports from across the landscape. And then, of course, we've got for you at noon today our CFL free agency special is where we will go uh, from noon to three, again, we got that for you. Kyle Mello joins me here for six of the next nine hours. Uh, it's not exactly the longest streak, I would say, Kyle, in radio. But it is one of our longer days, and it is a fun one because yeah. there's always lots to talk about noon to three, whether or not we end up getting a bunch of signings. And so we're looking forward to bringing that to people, obviously, later on. It's so weird because this is one of my like favorite days of the year. Yeah. But there's so much uncertainty right now around <laughs> the CFL. And the fact that we're coming off a year where we didn't even play football, I have, like, no idea where to take today. Yeah. Right? I'm with you. Which I think is okay because I think that's the way that yeah. fans are feeling as well. And I think that our job on the free agency show is to guide fans of the Canadian Football League, which we have plenty of that listen to the show, through the proceedings and kind of figure out what the league is going to look like. And, again, it's – I wrote yesterday for CFL.ca on the idea of getting excited about free agency and exactly what you just said. And I'll, I'll probably read the article later on just to kind of get my actual thoughts out clearly on this stuff. But uh, what the basic idea is when you are hurt a little bit by the idea of trusting something, getting excited for something, and then having it taken away from you. And I mean, that goes back to being a, the tiniest of kids or the oldest of elderly people. It doesn't matter. It's a human emotion of... Hey, I really feel like I'm excited for this. Oh, just kidding. I'm not allowed to go anymore. I mean, we've all felt that if you had a concert that was shut down, right? Where you were planning on going and you had tickets and then you weren't able to end up going. Or if you ended up being able to uh, get yourself, uh, you know, it's a, an opportunity to go and visit family members for their birthday. And all of a sudden it's like, well, no, I can't do that anymore. That's not really responsible to be able to go and be around people. So once you end up having that, you get yourself into a spot where you just you feel very hesitant to kind of dive in on anything and to be passionate about much of anything. And I just implore people in that article to say, just give up on that for a day. Yeah. Um, you know, heading into today, like I said, like I don't know where to uh, take today. But also, I think for CFL players, it's kind of – the first football activity without being activity in a long time, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, if you are a free agent, you're on the phone with your agent and it's like, okay, where do we go with today? And what's the market like, right? If you're a free agent, you have to feel a little bit uneasy. It's like, am I even going to get a call today? Maybe you <laughs> haven't, you know, spoke, you know, spoke with your, you know, CFL team, the the original one they had a contract with, maybe you haven't spoke with them in, in months, and now you're a free agent, and obviously that comes with an uneasy feeling because obviously these players want to provide for their families and things like that, and maybe they still do want to play football, but it's like, am I going to get a call? Because yeah. the last time we played football, maybe I didn't have a great season or something like that, and it's like, man, I would not want to be, you know, on, and maybe that's why we've seen a bunch of guys just resign, yeah, right? Yeah the the places that they already were and you know uh, and i you probably have the numbers to to back this up you know how many guys that signed contracts with new teams before last season and then obviously we didn't play football 
are going to resign with that same team or how many guys are like, you know what, I have a second chance to maybe put myself back in the open market. Maybe I'm just going to rethink on where I want to land. Yeah, I think that's how we'll start off the show coming up at noon today. Uh, and again, I understand that this is not the most entertaining of radio to tell you what we're going to talk about later on on radio. But the idea of those, I, I've been calling them ghosts, is kind of the nickname that I've given them because there's a potential there for these ghosts uh, to be there and then poof, all of a sudden, poof, they just fade into the wall, right? They just disappear. So uh, I have looked at the numbers on that. I do have the numbers on that. The the ones in Hamilton I found interesting is Larry Dean has not officially re-signed. But Larry Dean has also been doing a lot of promotional things and he's been on videos for the Tiger Cats. So I very much doubt that Larry Dean is is doing a lot of front-facing things for the Tiger Cats and he has not signed. I have a, a pretty good feeling that... We're going to hit 11.59 today, and he is going to be signed. I don't think the – and even if it reaches the open market, this is the thing that's so strange about the CFL, which not the only thing that's strange about the CFL, but certainly one of them, is that there are players that could be signed, but because there is – and this is not in any way, shape, or form a shot at anybody who covers the CFL from a reporting angle, but the CFL is criminally underreported on. You don't get all the little tiny details – uh, consistently that you do from Schefter, Tom Pelissero, Steve White, anybody. Like, there, there's a bit, Jason Luck and Ford, there's a billion reporters in the United yeah. States who cover the National Football League, and they are intensely focused on each of their franchises as well because they know if they tweet out, hey, we've signed back Dawson Knox, that the entire Buffalo fan base is going to be interested in that. Whereas I think there's this thought in Canadian media that if I tell you Nikola Kalinic has re-signed, which, by the way, thank goodness he's not up for free agency, uh, but if Nikola Kalinic had re-signed with the Tiger Cats, that's going to interest a smaller group of people than it will be from an NFL team, just based on the metrics of the NFL to the CFL and the size of the fan base and the exposure and the money made and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, it is, it's underreported on, which means there might be guys, and this is my frustration doing this show in all honesty as we peel back the curtain on this stuff, there are guys that might be signed that we just don't know about. And we go to air at noon and we start talking about it. There's also guys that uh, they reach free agency and we're saying, whoa, that means that maybe they're taking a look around. Jeremiah Masoli said after he signed with Hamilton that regardless of how long it was until he signed a contract, he had no interest in talking to anybody else. So he could have entered free agency. Like if, if he had gotten to noon today and we would have started the show at noon and said, well, it looks like Jeremiah Masoli is officially entering free agency. And then let's say he signs and we bring him on a couple hours in. We're like, so Jeremiah, what offers were you mulling over? And he's like, none. I just, I didn't have a deal done. That's it. Like it's, there's yeah. different guys have different motives and we don't know those motives until we talk to them. So it's best to get it straight from the people who are involved, which uh, is why we're going to have uh, about four or five different CFL guests lined up for you over a 12 uh, segment show coming up later on today. Again, yeah. 12 to three. And uh, that, that'll probably do it enough for promo for later on today. I'll mention it a couple times in the show, but I think if people want to get their CFL free agency, at this point, we've been doing it for several years. They know. They know where to go. They know what we're doing. They know uh, what we're going to be bringing them. Hopefully, we'll bring you a couple of twists and turns today with some different things uh, that uh, will be available for you by the time that we get to noon. We will find out when we get to noon later on this morning because it's as much a mystery to me as it is to many of you. Yeah, so obviously, tsn1150.ca. Um, if you're uh, you know, in the office and you want to listen to CFL coverage. And again, I say this every year. We are. The only CFL free agency show 
in the damn country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the one that only talks about it for the <laughs> remainder of uh, of the show for sure. That is uh, something that we enjoy being able to bring to people, and we know that you're passionate. I actually I got a really nice message uh, over the weekend, Kyle, that was from an elementary school teacher who reached out and said, "I haven't." Uh, necessarily message you guys before and if I didn't say it previously I just want to say thank you because you guys got me kind of uh, picked up and ready in the mornings and CFL talk and all that stuff uh, they were an Argos fan they said I really appreciate being able to get that on my ride in and I'm looking forward to when things get normal where I can uh, pay back you and Kyle by buying you a beer at BMO or maybe on Labor Day after a game somewhere here in Hamilton or all the rest so they uh, they were very excited to be able to have some CFL content bouncing around because the thing is the CFL as I say the metrics the size of audience just the the scale of the uh, the fandom is not as large it doesn't mean it's any less passionate I mean we know that from no. being here in Hamilton yeah. and so the people that love the CFL they come to this show that we do from noon to three <laughs> passionately and it, yeah. it's it's honestly why it makes it fun right like that's why you and I if we were doing that show talking to a brick wall or just talking to each other like we do here in the mornings and bouncing around all sorts of different topics, it wouldn't feel the same as it does when we've got so much interaction and we have so much fun with the fans on that specific three-hour show. Yeah, and I have friends that are Orgos fans, and it's so interesting every time I have a conversation with them because obviously when it comes to just the numbers, obviously there's more fans at Ticats games and things like that, right? When you look at you know the Argo fan base, like you said, there might be less of them, but if they are there, they're they're diehards, right? They're still like such like passionate fans and such a passionate fan base. And you know who knows that more than anything else? Ticats fans. <laughs> Why do I know that? Because every year on Labor Day, those same Argos fans are at Tim Hortons Field and they're sitting beside the same Ticats fans every year. And they're like, hey, Pete, what's up? It's the two times a year that we get to see you, right? And it's yeah. like... That is like a reality where if you go to a Ticats fan and you're like, hey, you're a season ticket holder at Tim Hortons Field, um, do you know a diehard Argos fan? I would say 80% of them would say, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, we give it to them every time they come to Tim Hortons and, Field. Uh, and right now there's a bit of that big brother, little brother dynamic just based on the facilities and the success that they've had uh, in yeah. the regular season lately and all the rest. But you know what I find funny about the dynamic between those two fan bases is that – Every time that the Argos do something that is a success, that is a getting a Nick Arbuckle or a Charleston Hughes or Cordero Laws they have in the last week, Eric Rogers. I mean, they've had a really good couple of weeks there inside that building, in that, as well as the Ticats have. But every time they make a signing, I see tweets from Ticats fans to Argos fans that go, damn, I hate you. Man, nice signing. Like, <laughs> like they appreciate the art of building up those rosters yeah. so that we can have fun when we get to playing football, which, again, we hope uh, happens seamlessly this year, unlike last year. So we'll talk more about all things CFL free agency as we go throughout the morning. Of course, a focus on the Ticats, but we're going to cover every team in the league, and we're going to have some fun guests coming up for you noon to three today. Let's get a quick break right now. Come back on the other side and talk about Slick Nick getting ejected. It's Marshall Mello, TSN 1150 in Hamilton. Welcome back. It is Marsh and Mellow, TSN 1150 in Hamilton. Uh, I'd love to have uh, another unofficial sports center update for you, but uh, Wi-Fi's still down, Kyle. Working lo-fi when I went home yesterday, unfortunately, once Your again. Wi-Fi is still broken. Yeah, yeah, still down. The guy's coming apparently this morning sometime between 8 and noon. So I'll My be... Wi-Fi went down last night. Did it? I, yeah. I was on last night searching Hamilton uh, internet outages, and it seemed like it was like 80% of people had some type of complaint online over the last week or so but it's so weird man i called 
company I have my internet with. And I said, like, I was ready to just destroy them. And I want a rebate on my last week. I've had an awful, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I call and I said, uh, hey, I've, I've had some pretty bad Wi-Fi for the last week. It's getting to the point where it's unbearable. We're at home. All we have is streaming Netflix and Crave. So we need to fix this ASAP right now. And my stepdaughter is uh, taking university classes. She can't even get online to her Zoom. She gets kicked out. I had a call last night with Steph Patatsik from the McMaster Marauders. And I was on Zoom. I got kicked out three times. So I ended up having to just call him on a, like a landline, basically. It was like throwing back into the 1950s to just get a hold of the guy because that was the setup. And uh, so I let them know, hey, this, this is really bad. And they go, okay, one second. Come back 10 seconds later on. They're like, oh, yeah, network's down. Yeah, we'll send someone out tomorrow morning. I'm like, can you not, if you're an internet company, can you not preemptively send somebody out? Can you not see that your network is down? And then reach out to people and say, like, why do I have to call you yeah. and be like, hey, your thing is broken? If your thing is broken and you can see that easily in 10 seconds, the thing is broken. Why do I have to alert you? Shouldn't there be like a little red beacon flashing on a map of Hamilton <laughs> that says, oh, it looks like we should maybe look at Mount Hope. Seems like something's happening over there. It's I don't understand how that business operates at that level where it's, hey, please call and let us know about our thing being broken. No, I pay you so that you know your thing is broken and you fix it so you keep it going. Because I'm paying for it. That's how that should work, but it very obviously does. So for me, I just searched, like I used my data, and I searched the company and outages, and boom, it popped up. If yeah. there's an outage in your area, it will be resolved at this time. And it was resolved even earlier, so I only lost Wi-Fi for really? about an hour. It was weird, though. I've never had, I mean, there's. we all know in 2021, there's a lot of different ways to lose Wi-Fi, right? There's the one where it can't find the server. There's the one where it kicks on. The, the problem we've had for the last week or so It'll show up, it'll look perfect, it'll get you onto a browser page, and the second you go to click like the second link or to scroll for the second time with your thumb on Twitter or something, it goes Yeah, it just conks out. It just dies, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like just kidding. But so it's the worst because not only can you get on, but then it teases you and then it takes it away. Like there's a carrot at the end of the string that's like, oh look, I'm on the internet. Oh, never mind. So you end up getting on a Zoom call and hey, Coach B and he <laughs> and it's like, I'm showing him my son last night on this call. Hey, meet Noah. And, and then Coach P's waving. Hey, good to meet you, Noah. And I was like, come on. <laughs> and like, just, it's just the worst absolute situation. Yeah. But. Coach P needs to see his quarterback for 20, exactly. 40. I don't even know. 48? Uh, uh, <laughs> I was trying very hard to begin the recruiting process last night. And, uh, and I couldn't even get it off the ground. I mean. Couldn't, couldn't I, get anything going there, so I'm not great. It does come the time when uh, when Noah is uh, looking around at universities and, you know, he's had a relationship with, obviously, McMaster University through you, but, like, Western is, like, uh, chomping at the bit to uh, get Noah Ferguson to be the quarterback of uh, their team. Are you pushing him in that direction? I'm not pushing him anywhere, man. That, that dude can play flute if he wants. Yeah, but, I don't give yeah, a damn. Like, <laughs> no, no. If he decides he wants to play football, if he if he wants to play football, I will simply tell him my experiences. But the thing is, things change over time. Yeah. But campuses don't. It's not like they can completely rip up McMaster campus and it can be completely reshaped. I loved McMaster, and it was funny. I had a lot of people from my high school in Kingston who went to McMaster, and we always kind of asked each other, "Well, why'd you go?" I was like, "I don't know. It just felt like home." <laughs> and, and we never really understood why, but a lot of the kids from Kingston area, it, it felt like home. So maybe to people from Hamilton, Western feels like home, or maybe Queens feels like home. I mean, everybody has different ex things that make them feel comfortable and, and make them feel like they can be their best version of themselves and most productive in that spot. For me, it was, it was 
pretty straightforward, man. I didn't want to go to Western because I thought I was going to get buried in the depth chart. I didn't want to go to Queens because all the coaches were 80 years old and I didn't think I could relate to them. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to go to U of T because I thought they'd stink for a long time. I mean, I was you weren't wrong there. Proven correct. I <laughs> uh, didn't want to go to York. Same reason. Plus, I didn't want to play on grass, which I know seems very yeah. dainty of me, but the reality i mean the grass, waterloo was kind of a disaster at that point <laughs> yeah they were a bit of a train wreck in terms of the steroid stuff that was going they to their credit though waterloo is sick now man if, yeah, I, yeah, if I if i was my son and i was 10 years 15 years from now and i was looking around i waterloo would be a legitimate they've got a great program good facilities uh good coaching staff but again this stuff changes as you guys know so much in five years let alone in 18 years when he would start looking around but uh, I love Mac though. Don't get me don't get me wrong. I love Mac. I would just tell him, hey man, you got to make your own your own decisions. It's one of the things that you think more about when you become a uh, a dad is how you're going to parent them down the road. Like I'm already projecting 15, 20 years down the road. Okay, how am I gonna talk to him about that or this or you know when he wants to have his first beer or any of that stuff where you're thinking. And my my approach is basically, I'm gonna allow you to make your own mistakes. I think that's the best way to a certain extent. Like, I'm going to let you do things that I did because I made mistakes and I learned from them and it made me yeah. a better person. But I'm not going to let you, like, fall off the deep end and make the big mistake where you're calling me and going, Dad, do you have bail money? Uh, like, that's, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not going to let you get to that point, but I'm just going to say, hey, here's the framework. You can work within this. You can make the mistakes inside this play place that I've designed for you and feel free to make those mistakes and learn from them. But you need to learn from them if you make them. That being said, I'm not going to open the door to the play place, let you get out there, and all of a sudden all hell breaks right, loose. Right, until he says, screw you, Dad, and jumps oh, yeah. out of the play place. Well, then if he jumps out of the play place, then, hey, good yeah, on you. Go do your own thing, man. man. See how that turns out for oh, you. Yeah. I can't wait for that phone call. Uh, Dad, uh, I'm in Orchard Park. Uh, they told me I couldn't jump through the table. And then I, I just say, decided to anyways. I say, son... <laughs> I'm proud of you. It's a rite of passage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, or is that an Uncle Kyle call? Yeah. Uh, all right. Nick Nurse gets ejected last night. He was an excellent parent last night. He was uh, setting the tone for his boys out there. Uh, Kyle, what did you think of Nurse well, getting ejected and uh, sparking the Raptors' comeback victory over JV and the Grizz? <laughs> well, hearing Nick Nurse postgame, apparently he didn't know he had a technical already on him. Oh, yeah. So apparently in the first half, at the end of the first half, uh, a technical was issued. He, right before they went to the locker room, Nick, because apparently, like, it was lost in translation on who the hell got the technical foul, right? <laughs> and he asked the official, and then that official asked the official that gave out the technical, hey, who'd you give that tech on? And that official apparently said Pascal Siakam. Uh, Doug Smith, reporter, said that on the box score, this is on the postgame Zoom, said on the box score that the technical was issued to Pascal Siakam. Well, apparently at halftime, they changed it and gave it to Nick Nurse. Well, nobody told Nick Nurse. Yeah. So when Nick Nurse is doing the the the, the traveling motion yeah. to the referee during the timeout, when he's like, hey, JV is shuffling his feet as he goes up for layups, right? And then the referee's like, you know what, Nick, I've had enough of you. Technical, Nick's like, oh, technical, whatever, right? And he turns away, and then the official gives him the toss signal. And he goes, wait, I had a technical? And he's like, yeah, you had a technical. You need to leave. <laughs> so the head of security for the Toronto Raptors is like, whoa, you had a technical? And he has to walk him out. So Nick Nurse went to the locker room not knowing he was going to be tossed because he was like, this is ridiculous. I didn't even know I had a first technical against me.
So apparently the NBA needs to figure out their bleep on that because you can't change a technical, especially on a coach, because coaches sometimes will take technicals on purpose to try to spark their team. I think Nick Nurse was trying to spark his team with one technical. Very rarely does a coach get thrown out on purpose. Nick Nurse obviously clearly didn't know he had a technical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, the, the lack of communication on that is but man, it helped. Is disappointing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it set the tone for the rest of the game. And it's it's such a funny thing to see a coach get ejected and see a team respond. And it doesn't yeah. it doesn't nullify the value of the coach being on the bench. But I mean, you play high school basketball, you play university basketball, play pro basketball. It doesn't matter. Once in a while, coach gets ejected. And it, it there's this moment where you all go, oh, no, man, they got rid of our guy. no. And about two seconds later, everybody locks in. And I don't, yeah. I don't know what that emotion is. I'd love to talk to a sports psychologist about the idea of coaches getting ejected. And after coaches get ejected, what happens to the mind of the athletes? And how do they reach peak performance? Because very rarely does a coach get ejected and a team go, gets outscored to, you know, 34 to 6 or something like that. It always goes well. And I don't, yeah. you can't overuse it, obviously. If you get ejected every night, it loses the effect. But I am amazed when I see it so consistently that people are just, you know, you see what happens last night and people are going, wow, I mean, that's that's interesting that that worked. No, it's not interesting. It always works. It's every time that you end up getting into that spot, it has some sort of positive effect on the roster. And I do not understand why. But I do know I played high school basketball. It worked on me. So I've experienced it firsthand. Yeah, so at one point in the game, it was a 28-6 to run uh, for the Raptors after Nick Nurse got tossed uh, from the game. So whether or not he meant to get tossed, it, it worked for the Toronto Raptors, and they steered themselves to a victory. Um, but last night, watching that Raptors game after the Leafs game, because I tuned into the Leafs game, because obviously it started first, and then after the Leafs game, I tuned into the Raptors game. And when I tuned into the Raptors game, it made me miss Jonas Valanciunas more than anything. I was like... <laughs> Oh my, Dude's Jonas good. Valanciunas is, he's good. And with the Raptors struggles at the five, I'm like, oh man, can JV come back? I'm like, can the Raptors, Masai, can you get JV back? <laughs> uh, yeah, he is nice, man. He was pretty good last night. So uh, let's get a quick break before you come back on the other side. We will dive into one big question. Of course, we'll touch on the Leafs. Uh, sleeping their way through a victory against the Canucks for much of last night as Ugh. well. And we got some more analysis of the Super Bowl as well as all of my favorite film geeks have had an opportunity to dive into the X's and O's and tell you how it was that Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, and the Buccaneers were able to beat the pulp out of the Kansas City Chiefs back in Super Bowl 55. It's Marshall Mello, TSN 1150 in Hamilton. Welcome back. It is Marsh and Mellow, TSN 1150 in Hamilton. Reminder coming up for you later on today, noon to three. We are back in here as we are firing up all things CFL free agency. I'm starting to get the jitters, Kyle. Starting to get the jitters. Little CFL free agency should be a lot of fun to be able to uh, talk about all things the league. I know it's funny, though. I was going through the CFL hashtag on Twitter here during the break. Just seeing what has popped up in the last little while. Just trying to make sure I got, I got all the signings down and we know everybody who's there. Uh, article from the Toronto Sun via Frank Ziccarelli. Argo's to-do list isn't that long heading into CFL free agency with so much of the heavy lifting already done. Uh, from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers website, Ed Tate. Blue Bombers GM Kyle Walters not expecting to be active in CFL free agency. Uh, Toronto Sun Sports Dan Barnes. Flurry of contract extension nearly empties the Canadian Football League's free agent pool. Article from Three Down Nation, BC Lions heavy lifting complete. 
they will be watching during free agency. So I'm, I'm looking at all of this and I'm like, uh, you would think that we'd be upset by that. But here's the thing. We're super aware of the fact that there's been a ton of signings, which is why we've just decided to get some guests to come on with us. And we're going to have some fun with them and talk about the signings that have already happened and looking forward, hopefully, to the season. So CFL show coming up for you this morning at, uh, I guess it won't be this morning. It'll be noon until 3 p.m. Uh, Fred Van Vliet's face was funny last night, by the way, when Nick Nurse got ejected. Just watching it here on the TVs inside the studio where... He, he sees the tech come, and Fred just puts his hands on his hips and stares at the official and goes, really? <laughs> like he, he's, he can't believe he's giving him the second tech. But uh, we haven't talked as of yet about the Toronto Maple Leafs and their effort from last night. 3-1, they get the victory. Edmonton, by the way, 3-1 uh, elsewhere in the Northern Division over the uh, Ottawa Senators. So the Sens drop yet another one. Those were the only games in the North Division that were on tap last night. Edmonton and Ottawa back at it again, coming up on TSN this evening at a 7 p.m. puck drop. Winnipeg and Calgary are the late puck drop in the North Division at uh, 10 p.m. They will uh, be able to get going. But last night, the Leafs, I couldn't believe 27 to 7, the shot count going through yeah. two periods, man. Like, th what was that? I don't understand how they can get away with that as often as they do when they get outshot. It hasn't been often, but when they do, you should not be able to survive that. And Freddie Anderson's a very good goaltender. I get it. But even a very good goaltender, when you're getting outshot 27 to 7, there's no there's no bounce, there's no forward push from the other side to even buy him some time to catch his breath. It's just a barrage. He's just constantly feeling as though he's being pushed backwards into his own net. Well, uh, after the second period, uh, Mitch Marner got interviewed, and Mitch Marner said the only reason why we're still in this game is Freddie Anderson. He should have just Anderson. apologized. It'd be great yeah. if he just went into the – he's just uh, – hi, uh, sorry, Freddie. Like, I apologize. Yeah. You've, you've done way <laughs> too much work thus far. And it was interesting because last night, you know, the Leafs come out in the first five minutes, and maybe the shot, you know, totals weren't in their favor. But I thought the first five minutes, the Leafs had, kind of had a hold of the game. Mm -hmm. And then something happened where Vancouver was one-way traffic. And then that second period happened. That second period, you can make an argument, it was the worst period for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season. Yeah. Uh, they were bad in that second period. It was, you know, just uh, penalties. And then, you know, the Leafs just not being able to get a grip on things once Vancouver, you know, punched back. Um, but, you know, Freddie Anderson was there. To, and, and that's what your goaltender is there for, right? When you're not playing your best, can't your goalie keep you in a game? And Freddie Anderson did that. Um, and then, and, and to be honest, like, even the goal that Vancouver scored, Alex Kerfoot, like, had the puck five feet from the blue line. Get the puck out. What happens? He turns the puck over. One thing leads to another. It ends up in the net. And it was like, well, it was just a mistake that ended yeah. up in the net uh, for Vancouver. And then, obviously, the talent comes to the forefront for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They score two goals, what, in 11 seconds. Uh, Austin Matthews, that one-timer in the slot. For Vancouver, again, you know, and I put it out on Twitter. I said, if the shot totals remain the way that they are, and I said this after the second period, right? If the shot totals remain relatively where they are right now, and the Vancouver Canucks find a way to lose this game, you have to worry about the future of their season. Yeah. Because that could derail a team. And now you have to, you know, take a trip back home. Now you're salty after three losses in that <laughs> third game. Because after the first two games, right, what is Travis Green saying to his team? Right? We need to fix this, fix this, fix this, so we can get a better hold on a game. Right. Well, you did that. And it still didn't work. So now all of those guys are looking at each other saying, the hell do we do? Yeah. Like, I don't know what we do. The goaltending isn't the problem. I think Brayden Holpe has been very good for the Vancouver Canucks. 
But, like, you reach a point where it's, I don't know if anybody in this room has the answers, and that's the worst spot to be in in an NHL uh, dressing room or any, you know, sporting team's room. It's such an uncomfortable feeling, Brad, to be in that spot if you're Vancouver. Feel like you gave your best and you're still getting dropped for the third time in a week by the same team. Like, that's the downside of the Northern Division for the teams that aren't good. If you are good, you feast. And your Leafs and you're 10-2 and two and you're beating up on outside of losing that first game to the Sens. You're, you're working the Sens over and you're finding a way to be able to just create positive momentum and it doesn't get stopped when you go on the random west coast road swing where you're in california for four games or you know what i mean but if you're a bad team you're stuck here if vancouver and ottawa feel like that you are you are stuck in this spot forever more in 2021 for vancouver outside of playing ottawa they're three and ten in the north division you're like crazy that's that's horrible crazy (laughs) and not just that you can't get together in your hotel you can't, as a team, try to bond together right That's a good now. Good point. You can't improve. Because you can't. You can't have extra practices. You can't have a bag skate where the coach is trying to send a message. You can't get together and have a players-only meeting. You're only allowed to show up an hour and fifteen minutes before a game. Yeah. You don't have that much time to do more than just get into the game, and you have a game every other day, pretty much. It's basically, hey, this is what's happening. Whatever you're in. Good luck. And right now, Vancouver <laughs> is in a massive slump. The team doesn't have the chemistry it needs. And you have a bunch of young players on that team who are trying to find their way. And they can't receive, you know, the proper coaching leadership that you would expect normally for a team like that. And it's showing in Vancouver. It's uh, it's wild, yeah. Kyle, to see the impact. Because we all thought the, the main impact of COVID was going to be well, the teams won't be able to uh, you know, do, go on the normal path. But now we're really seeing the effect of it, which is you're not going to, if you're in a hole, you're less likely to get out of it than I think we've ever seen teams trying to get out of holes before. Well, and here's another thing, right? And Brad brings up a good point where it's like you can't you know, have extra practices to kind of punish your team, right? You can't have a skate where it's like, okay, we ain't even going to have a puck today. We're mm-hmm. just skating, right? Because the coach is trying to send a message. And then you watch that game last night in Columbus, um, and John Tortorella essentially just benches three of his forwards, and Patrick, including Patrick Laine. Yeah. And Patrick Laine just got there, and he's already getting benched. <laughs> but one of the reasons why he's doing that is because John Tortorella can't send a message any, you know, the, any other way. But for you know Travis Green and the Vancouver Canucks, like. I don't know what the answer is, and maybe the answer, you know, doesn't lie with anybody in that dressing room, and maybe you can't make any changes. Um, I think losing the amount that they lost in free agency, and Jim Benning has a lot of explaining to do because it doesn't appear that whatever plan he had tried to implement coming into this season, I understand they're going to be in salary cap hell in a couple of years, but maybe you have to reassess who your core is, right? You know, Elias Pettersson, for as talented as he is, he's almost going down the same line as Patrick Laine, right? And I'm not saying it's way too early to, to, you know, compare the two because I think Patrick Laine has taken – because I think Elias Pettersson has has more talent and just an overall game that's better than Patrick Laine. Patrick Laine is still, you know, a talented goal scorer. But I'm looking at Elias Pedersen and thinking, okay, now you're heading into a year where you're a restricted free agent, and maybe the contract that you want isn't going to be the contract that you get, especially if you keep struggling the way you are. Like, they have a lot of young guys on that team that just haven't figured it out this year. 
And if you're not figuring it out this year and, you know, the racetrack is a lot shorter, you know, in 2021, I don't know where that answer comes from. Now, Travis Green's going to push all the buttons in his power uh, to try to get Vancouver back on track, but eventually you're just going to run out of racetrack. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, too, the line situation, right, where he's, hey, what's this uh, Tortorella guy about? I've heard some stories. Shows up the first, he doesn't seem so bad. Third day. Oh, all of a sudden it makes more sense. Yeah, well, the the thing with Tortorella, and I've always said this about John Tortorella, I think he's a good hockey coach, but I think he is is the biggest front-runner head coach Hmm. in hockey. When everything's going well, it is going well, and he's a good coach to be around as soon as you start losing. And Columbus isn't even losing. Like, they're second in their division. Fine, the record's not fantastic. It's 6-5-3. Um, but that division is so like, beating the hell out of each other. And it's a little bit lopsided because uh, Florida and Carolina miss so many games because of Corona. Yeah. Uh, so those two teams are better than Columbus. So Columbus should be in like the four hole, uh, five hole, uh, something along those lines. But it's like, as soon as things start to go poorly, that guy loses a grip of the team, right? In Tampa Bay, he won a Stanley cup and still in a heartbeat, he lost Vincent LeCavalier. He lost Martin St. Louis. He lost that Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, dressing room. And it happened so quickly. And why does it happen so quickly? Because he's an abrasive character, right? And he, he has to be the type of coach that I have to send a message at every single turn. It's like, no, sometimes you just have to let the struggles ride out. Yeah. You don't need to piss off players. And to piss off kind of Patrick Liney and his – First two weeks of being with the team? I don't know if it's the right it's, approach. So does he overcoach then? Like Brett, oh, 100%. Because yeah, 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 like well, what you guys are <laughs> describing is somebody who feels the need to be so influential and so involved in things that they actually act, actively get in the way of their team figuring things out. It seems like it, but the problem is, is it continues to work for him. That's true. <laughs> and, you know, things went badly for him in Vancouver, and he got fired. Which, by the way, if you fire a coach right now, you're without a coach for over two weeks. Yeah. So I don't think you're going to see too much. Well, you have an assistant, right? Yeah, but, you know, you have a head coach for a reason. Can you do interim from within? And, you have to. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't Player have... coach, eh? Well, I don't think there's any coaches out there that if, you know, a coach were to get fired this season, which I think is going to take a lot to do uh, because of the reasons that Brad just mentioned. But if a coach does get fired, like – Usually it just finishes off the season with an interim coach anyways because what other coach is out there right now available to be hired? Mike Babcock? Does Mike Babcock even want to coach? Like he's doing the TV thing for NBC. Yeah, that's true. It's a weird spot to be in if you're trying to sort that out. Also, you could probably just sign Joe Thornton. He could be a player coach for you. So, By the way, I do believe that both Vinny LeCavalier and Martin Saint-Louis have come back and said that Torts was one of their all-time favorites. Really? So while things may have gotten contentious, they may have uh, looked back and thought, eh, well, we had success. He did, he did give them a Stanley Cup, right? Winning. Not give them a Stanley everything. Cup. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I know that, right? But, like, you can say that on the back end of your career. But I love when players come out after they retired and after 20 years of the situation that, you know, arose in a city, and they're like, oh, no, that guy was great. Yeah. And it's like, that's not the reporting. That's not what the reporting said, you know, 15 years ago. It said that you hated him, 
right? And it's like, I may have told the reporter that, but but he's he's my friend now. I like him. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a funny spot to be in if you are on that Columbus team moving forward here. But we'll uh, take a quick break, come back on the other side for you, and kick off our number two of the show as we will uh, bounce around and get in some NFL sound for you here as we recap some more of what happened in the Super Bowl. All the film nerds got into it, and, man, they, they noticed some stuff that is pretty damning, I think, if you are – the Kansas City Chiefs and specifically the coaching staff of the Kansas City Chiefs will uh, give you that when we come back for hour two of six on a CFL free agency Tuesday. It is Marsh and Mello, TSN 1150 in Hamilton.